Hey, good morning, everybody. As you're finding your seats, welcome. Welcome to DCF. We're so glad that you're joining us this morning. Um, we've really just had a, a, a wonderful time in prayer this morning, really, of just how the Lord really wants to just lavish His love on you. Um, Diane and Allen shared this morning of how, you know, if you were to take and you were to limit your just your vision, you were kind of like look from one side and kind of like do that. It's like if I were to look at Alan, my thumb blocks who he is. But if I'm looking with both eyes, like his, his, my thumb is not bigger than his head. And I can see accurately with my full vision. And this morning there's a sense of how the Lord wants us to see with a right perspective and the right perception of who he is. And, um... Our vision can be limited sometimes, but his vision is not. And so this morning, we want to see with the heart and the mind of the Lord in every area and every circumstance of our lives. Um, our perception of who he is is how we will receive from him. If we perceive him as distant or limiting or unavailable, that's how we will receive from him. But if our perception of him is that he is abundant and full and limitless, that's what we receive from him into what we walk in in this life. And he has given us everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness in this world right now where we are. So this morning, will you stand with me? We are going to worship Jesus. We're going to worship him. We're going to love on him. Our heart's affection is turned towards him because this morning we want to see the way that he sees. We want to see our circumstances and where we are the way he sees with hope. The Bible says that he is the God of all hope. So what do you need hope for this morning? Because he wants to give that to you and we want to receive that from him. So this morning, Father, we just worship you. Lord, our heart's affection is turned towards you, Lord. God, we just say thank you. You are the kindest person, most gracious, most loving, Lord, person that we know. God, thank you that this morning it is your delight for us to encounter and experience your goodness, your presence, Lord, among us. So, Lord, we just say, welcome, Holy Spirit, because we know that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, and the Lord is the Spirit. Lord, we worship you. God, would you move among us, because your word declares that times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. So this morning, Lord, we want to laugh and dance and play and splash in the refreshing of the Lord because that's what you've given us. That's what you've made available for us. Lord, we just say thank you that you are so good to us. You are a good father. We love you and we welcome you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Won't you 
this morning, I just want to share a testimony of healing for someone. Um, there is someone who's been a part of our church. Um, they go to another church, but they've been connected to us. Her name is Sue. Um, a little while back, um, she has had AFib, heart failure, all kinds of heart problems, multiple surgeries, and things that have been going on. And she was going to UAB to have a follow-up test done from some of the previous procedures because she had her valves were leaking. They weren't closing, so they were leaking um, uh, blood. And so she, t- she just said, Karen, will you just please pray for me? And every time I see her and her husband and something's going on with them physically, I'm just like, can I pray for you? And um, on this particular time, um, she sent me a text back and she said, Karen, the valves were closed. Now, this is something that's been ongoing with procedures and was a huge concern. And so the Lord healed those valves and made them shut and close like they're supposed to. He designed us perfectly. And this morning, I want to encourage you that what do you have need of? Are you taking your thumb and kind of looking at it from your perspective and it seems bigger than God because it's kind of blocking his face when you're looking with limited vision? Or are you looking with the perspective and the perception of who he is? So this morning, if you need healing this morning in your body, will you just raise your hand? We want to gather around you. We want to come around our family and we want to declare the powerful name of Jesus, the powerful finished work of Jesus that was complete, had nothing lacking in it. It was full. It didn't miss anything. There wasn't, it's not limited. The power and the healing of Jesus is abundant and full and limitless and overflowing for you. So we're going to sing this song again while we pray for one another. And let's just declare the name of Jesus and his goodness and his power over the circumstance and the situation of what's going on this morning. Amen. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over fear and all anxiety to every soul captive by depression. Oh, I speak Jesus. Your name is high. Jesus, run the mountains. 
Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus, shout Jesus from the mountains. Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, Jesus for my family, I speak your holy name, Jesus, shout Jesus, shout Jesus about perspective uh, we were looking at Romans 8 and as we're asking for healing as we're asking for um, connection uh, I'm gonna let Callie she's gonna be my eyes this morning I want her to read this last perspective that I'd like for us to hang on to as we continue our our time together in worship uh, so this is Romans 8 37 through 39. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, 
neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, nothing will separate us from the love of Christ Jesus. We are his, we are his children, we're his beloved, and nothing can separate us from that. That's a perspective, that's a perspective that's beyond our, our daily experiences, it's a perspective beyond our, our uh, disabilities. Nothing will separate us from the love of God. We're going to go back into worship in just a second, and I know some people are already are continuing to pray for others. Um, I want to challenge us as a body, just as a reminder. It's a good thing that um, this is not um, this is not a spectator sport, <laughs> right? So some, we're so used to going to the you know we go to watch a football game and you know we sit up in the stands and like you know I could have done that better than that guy. I mean you know he's a world class athlete, but you know I'm an armchair quarterback. But what's better as believers is that God is remembering that God has empowered all of us through gifts and strengths and ministry. He's placed inside of you. The Bible says that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, your mortal body, right? So, so as we do worship, one of the things we want to do is when we have these times and God is moving, um, Alan and, and Diane are overseeing, their elders overseeing our service. And the sense they've been praying into this week, what the Lord is doing we want to remind you it's not arbitrary, it's not accidental, it's not just womp, 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 right? Don't, don't do Charlie's down, Charlie Brown's teacher. Listen to what the Lord is saying and go, how do not just I receive from that what the Lord is coming to bring to me? That's true too. But part of your healing often is in how you begin to minister to other people. So as we go back into worship, I want to challenge you. Say, Lord, just take a second. Say, Lord, is there someone here that you want to give me a word for, a prophetic word? Um, and the way we always say it is this way, Lord, what are your thoughts concerning Karen? Is there a thought you have about Karen that you want me to go and share and begin to minister? And I just want you to begin to take steps of faith to maybe go and, and pray for someone. So let me just give you quick instruction. If you've never done this before, what you don't do is run up and grab them on the forehead and start shaking them, okay? That's not the best way to introduce yourself. If you're going to minister to someone, the better way is to just come up Get, you know, maybe, maybe touch them on the arm or on the hand or something. Say, hey, would it be okay if I prayed for you? And if they say yes, man, go, begin to pray for them. And if they say no, say no problem and go back to your seat, okay? Not everybody's ready for that kind of thing. But here's the thing. When we do that, what we're showing people is our concern is not for me and my amazing gift. Literally all of this, God is using, wanting to use me to minister and, and pray for you and do ministry on your behalf. So I want to encourage you, if you've never done that, this is a time where we have body ministry, where we minister to one another. And the good news is God's already done everything that we need. And he's given us some very clear direction this morning through elders oversight so we can go after some of the things that the Lord's doing. So as we go back into worship, maybe take a moment and pray and say, Lord, is there someone in here you want me to take a step of faith and minister to them? Amen.
the blessing and I believe in posture being important can you just let's let's try something I'm just gonna say it that way I don't know can we turn towards the center everyone geographically just turn toward the center we're almost making like a circle can we sing this over because you are blessing the other people this is one of those times where it is an active ministry to the people in this family can we sing that again, Rodney? Lord bless and keep you, make his face shine, be gracious to you, Lord turn his face. 
something can you just hold your hands out can you just hold your hands out wherever you are just in a receiving gesture just to receive the love of a perfectly good father all of us have heard stories of what he's like but he reveals who he truly is to us and he is good he is perfect in all of his ways towards us. So Heavenly Father, this morning, we just thank you that our perception changes, Lord, of how we see you, that you are good and only good because your nature is only good. That's who you are. Lord, thank you that your word says that you have good gifts to give, that every good gift comes from the Father of light in whom there is no shadow or turning, Lord. Thank you that there is no darkness in you at all. There is only life and light. Lord, thank you this morning. We receive this goodness, this kindness, and Lord, we just pull it to ourselves. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you make Father God's love real to us this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. Amen. We're so thankful that you're with us this morning. If you're a guest, you can only be a guest once, and then you kind of become part of the family. And um, if you're new with us, go to dothancf.com. Click on the connection card. I'm new here, and someone from our ministry team or our leadership team, we'd love to get in touch with you and just kind of connect with you a little bit over your story and our stories. And um, we have got um, a, a video that we're going to show in just a minute. But for all of the ladies, Be Still Dothan is going to be happening this Tuesday night at the depot. The doors will open at 545, and it will start at 615. This is just a beautiful conglomeration of women throughout churches in our city and in our region 
who are hungry for more of God. And there's worship and there's the testimony of the Lord's goodness that um, will be shared. And so you're invited to come and be a part of that. There's a group of us, about probably nine or ten already, that have said, hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to go. So just come and join us and be with us there. Um, We have a um, testimony from having done Father's House, and it is a curriculum of eight sessions of videos about the gospel of grace and the love of the Father on who we are. And one of the greatest things for us to ever learn in this life is that we are lavishly loved. It is truly finished, and we are fully forgiven forever. And then there is an adventurous life for us to walk in together in this kingdom calling and purpose and expansion for the kingdom of light to overtake the kingdom of darkness and see his goodness in the earth. And so we've got a video that we're going to show of um, Father's House. One of the ladies who walked through that um, curriculum with me this last spring semester. So y'all just listen to her testimony. And if it resonates with you and it's something that you would like to have in your life, Father, can I have that too? And his answer is going to be yes, because it's his good nature to give you the things of the kingdom. So we've just finished a study of Father's House. And when we began the study, um, I came thinking, oh, I've done several studies like this before. This is nothing new. I'll just learn something to help other people. And wow, was I wrong. Um, I have said for many years that the day that I realized that the Lord loved me with his whole heart changed my life. But going through this study, I realized that I know that he loves me, but I didn't know that he delighted in me, that he loved the little things about me, that I had to do nothing to work for his love, um, for the relationship that I could have with him. And he went from being a very stern father to being a very loving papa. And I truly now feel completely forgiven, lavishly loved um, by him. And for that, I am eternally grateful. I've enjoyed this study and I would recommend it to anyone and everyone who has opportunity to to come across it. Oh, Shauna. (laughs) So, um, but we are y'all, it was such a wonderful journey together in just this deep love that God has for us. So um, next week is going to be Mother's Day. Um, If you have co-workers that are mothers, they don't have a home church that they belong to, invite them. We're going to be doing some special things for Mother's Day. So moms, just get ready a little bit. But invite, if it's a sister or a co-worker, a friend, your mom, you know, invite them to come and be with us. We'd love to just lavish some um, goodness on them as well. And keep your eyes out for summer connections. We are going to be having them throughout the um, summer. We'll be doing some kayaking, just some connection, relational events and things for us to just to get to know one another more. And what we've got coming up is a summer blast off on May the 21st. It's going to be at Northside Estates um, Pool. And we've got all the details on the website of what you need to bring, what you need to do, and just come and enjoy and be a part of that with us and get to know one another. So, And it's more than just coming to the pool. There's also an air-conditioned area with a table and lounge little area where you can sit and enjoy and hang out or play games um, as well. So 
Um, thank you for giving. Um, generosity is um, wonderful in this house. We're so thankful for it. It helps to really fulfill the mission of helping lives be transformed by encountering grace in the Holy Spirit. And so we're thankful for all the, uh, the givers that um, that, that um, comes through. So our kids and our youth are going to be dismissed. And um, we will be right back with Pastor Dave coming to share a message with us. All right. Good morning, everybody. We are finishing up a series that I started about, uh, what's it been now? Uh, this is the third one. So, uh, yeah, we've been talking about belonging. So one of the questions we've been asked many, many times about, about uh, local churches, how, how do you find a good, healthy local church? Like if, you know, if you're not, if you grew up in a church and that's all you've ever known, you don't have to worry about that. I remember, uh, some of you guys remember um, Caleb Messer and uh, his family. He'd grown up at, at DCF um, and he went off, he, he became an FBI agent and now he's in Myrtle Beach, uh, North, North Carolina, South Carolina, ah, same thing. Anyway, so he, uh, <laughs> so anyway, he called me, he, he'd been up there for a while and he'd gone through training and everything. He called me, he goes, dude, <laughs> he's like, do you know how hard it is to find a good church? I'm like, dude, I do. <laughs> and so he had never had to worry about that, and he had to go back to kind of ground zero and go, hey, what about my church that I love and was so healthy, or were there things about my church that maybe weren't so healthy? But so often we don't know how to be part of, of a church family. How do we, uh, if, if we're honest, sometimes we don't even know how to be part of our own, our, you know, our natural family, because maybe we grew up with a dysfunctional family, right? And if you grew up in a dysfunctional family, one of the big problems with that is you think dysfunction is normal, <laughs> right? Until you start experiencing normal, and then you're like, hold up. Uh, my family's all kinds of broken and messed up, right? And so all of us have, had, have probably had some of those experiences. And so the same thing is true from, from a church's perspective. You would think that if you're coming into a church because they preach Jesus, because, you know, they read the Bible and they do those kind of things, that that church is completely healthy. And maybe it is, but, and maybe it isn't. So part of what we've been doing is talking about how to be how to belong to a family, how to be a part of a local church. So what does it mean? You know, you have your, your uh, what we call, psychologists call family of record, Christian psychologists call family of record, and then your family of God. And so your family of record, you can't choose, <laughs> right? In, in so many ways, the, whatever that is is what it is. And then at some point, if you begin to mature and you recognize that, there are some things that your family taught you as family values, whether they meant to or not, that you have to you have to transform your thinking and come out of that into something new and something different, um, something healthy. And the same thing is true in, a ch in church world. If you, if you get saved into a church, you know, that church may be completely healthy. It may have some wonderful things here, some terrible things here, and you may not know that. So at some point in your walk as a believer, you need to evaluate your local church. So hopefully everybody who's been part of DCF for years and years and years even, have, have, you have been evaluating DCF because part of the reason the church is the way it is is because of you, <laughs> right? So a big part of it is the leadership. That's the, that's the biggest part, if we're honest, is the leadership. But part of that too is how are you bringing your strength? How are you contributing? So last week we talked about what does it mean to be a member of a local church. So for DCF we had one requirement and that is a vital walk with Jesus as defined in Scripture, right? Your walk with Jesus can't be your version of that. It has to be his version of that. So we talked about that. And then we talked about expectations that you should have as a believer for us as leaders, your spiritual leaders, and then the, the expectations that spiritual leaders ought to have for those who 
our, our uh, members of the church. So we talked about it, and you can go back and check, out, check that out. Um, but one of the things we started with is God wants to set the lonely in families. So there's this beautiful picture of God saying, I, I'm, not, I'm not okay with you being lonely, right? So he, he works things in your life and connects you to people. And if you have grown up, like I said, and you've got dysfunction, sometimes it becomes very difficult for you to connect with people because one of the things that you maybe have learned from a dysfunctional family is not to become vulnerable anymore because you just kept getting hurt. So it becomes a defense mechanism where you don't let people in. So unfortunately, that feeds into modern church culture where the church is um, Sunday mornings, you know, anywhere from an hour and a half to two hours, and, and you can fake a smile for that long. Anybody can fake a smile for two hours, right? And so you're like, how's it going? Man, I'm blessed and highly favored. Like, you don't even know where that scripture is, right? But you say it all the time. <laughs> and maybe your heart is broken, you're hurting, you know, it's just some really real challenges. And part of becoming, a, a, you know, being set into a family is recognizing, one, the family's not perfect, right? But your brothers and sisters probably aren't as mature as your mom and dad, and that's probably okay, right? You want them to be eventually, but you get that they may not be as mature as, as, your, as your mom and dad. So it goes back to, again, when God sets the lonely in families, if you don't look at the leadership of that, of that local church, and if they're not healthy, there's a really, really good chance that that church is not going to be healthy. And I'm not saying perfect, because nobody gets it right 100% of the time. We get that. But the challenge then is, am I, going to, am I going to push past the challenges that have kept me from being lonely? Am I going to come into the family that God is setting me in? I'm going to make a choice to be part of the family. So we want to talk a little bit about what that looks like. So one is what it means to connect to your calling. So who did God call you to be personally, you individually? Who are you? You know, the Bible says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. So what does it look like for you to connect to your calling? And then we're going to talk about what does it look like for you to connect to the calling of a local church and our specifically, the calling to DCF, right? And so we're going to talk about some of that. But I'm going to start with what it looks like to connect to DCF's calling, right? So one of the things we talk about, we talk about our vision is to transform lives. Anybody know it, the rest of it? By encountering grace and the Holy Spirit, right? So, so everybody, if you want to take a picture of any local church all over the world, every local church should glorify God and make disciples. That is the prerequisite if you're going to be a Christian church, right? Obviously, you walk with Jesus, the Bible walk with Jesus according to Scripture. So that, that's going to be true of every local church you go to, hopefully. Otherwise, it's very broken. But, but what you'll discover is how those local churches do that are sometimes different. Their philosophy on what God's called them to do. The leadership, gifting in the leadership will often determine a, a, an emphasis, if you will, in the direction in that particular city. There's just so many variables, but, but you, you have to find out what does it look like for what the Lord has called this local church to do. And then as you discover your giftings and your callings, how do you connect to that calling? So one of the ways we do that is we, talked about, we talk about being transformed by, by encountering grace and the Holy Spirit. And part of that whole concept of the Holy Spirit is recognizing that God still talks to us today, right? The prophetic is a powerful thing. We love the prophetic at DCF, and, and the prophetic is just simply hearing from God. We can hear, uh, it's never against Scripture, Scripture, it's always in line with Scripture, but we can hear the Lord, and this morning, you know, Alan and Diane were overseeing our service as elders, and what they, they, the whole idea was, Lord, what are you saying for today, for this Sunday, for today? And so they brought that perspective into the prayer meeting. A bunch of us gathered together and began to pray, and by the way, you can come to that as well if you want to contribute to that and be a part of what the Lord is doing, especially on Sunday mornings. It's a great place to do it. So they take that into account. 
hear the words, some of the scriptures, the prophetic things that people saw, and they brought that into the service. And then we're still even then navigating and having conversations. You saw us going back and forth. And part of that is going, Lord, what are you saying? And then the role we have is then how do we then administrate what the Lord is saying in our lives, right? So that's true for a moment in a meeting, but it's also true for your life. So what has the Lord said about you as an example? And so for us as a local church, there's some very specific things that the Lord has said, this is who you are, this is how I'm going to do things here. So one of those is we're going to emphasize grace and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You've heard me preach, I've preached a whole series almost eight weeks on wisdom and power, and that can also translate grace and the Holy Spirit, right? Jesus told the, the, the Pharisees, he said, you err because of two things, this is how you get messed up and if you're not paying attention, you err by two ways. One is you, you don't know Scripture or the power of God. See how that works? And so there's, there's this beautiful picture of God bringing grace and the power of the Holy Spirit together, the Word of God with the Spirit of God, um, you know, knowledge of Scripture and the encounter with God and bringing both wisdom and power together because that's what the Bible says who Jesus is. So if you want to know a little bit about who we are as a church, that's who we are as a church. So maybe you came from the wisdom camp, right? Well, you probably don't need to grow in your wisdom, right? You're probably good. Maybe where you need to grow is in the ministry of the Holy Spirit, learning how the Holy Spirit works, how he works through the gifts of, the, of his Spirit, and all those different things. If you come from the power camp, probably that you'll understand a lot of that, and maybe there's some areas of wisdom and character that you need to grow in. And that's kind of the picture of us as a church. So let me just give you an example of a couple of words because we challenge people to live by the word of the Lord. What has he said to you, right? Not just generally in Scripture, but specifically to you. So here's a couple of words um, for us as a church. Uh, actually, let me start with me personally. So um, God told me when, when I got called into the ministry, he said, first of all, he said, you're going to be the most frustrated person you know. I was like, well, that's encouraging. Thank you for that, right? I did not know how encouraging that was actually going to be, and I'm going to get to that in just a minute. But one of the other things the Lord said to me through prophetic voices, he said, you're going to be like Moses, and you're going to set your people free from bondage. And I was like, that's a big call, Lord, to set people. I mean, who's my people, <laughs> right? And it turns out my people are Southerners, right? Who knew? And, and I was born in Chicago, so don't hold that against me. I got down here as quickly as I, I could. I was three, okay? And I, I grew up in Birmingham, and I know to some of you guys that's still a Yankee. So I get it, I get it. But generally, Southern people, they're my people, and I love Southern culture. I, there's some beautiful things about it and some challenging things about it. And one of the challenging things is there's an, it, it's easy to go into legalism and lose sight of the grace of, of who God is. And so we begin, if we're not careful as churches, to minister towards or to disciple towards people's behavior rather than their identity. And so one of the ways that God's called me to set my people free from bondage is to disciple to your identity and not your behavior. So we emphasize grace, and that's a huge way that God has put that word on me, and, and that's been a directional word in my life. And so that's one example. Um, Romans 1.16 is like a life verse for me, if you will. And it's a simple passage. It says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, because it's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, the Jew first and also for the Greek. And so there's this picture of the gospel for me is paramount. You hear me talk about grace all the time. All grace is, is the gospel. The challenge, one reason why we talk about it in different perspectives is because people have heard the gospel, and if you grew up in church world, you think the gospel is just for salvation, but once you get saved, you don't need the gospel anymore. The gospel is grace. Grace is the gospel. It's the same thing, okay? 
And so when you understand that, you, you stop living trying to live in your own strength and you begin to live by the grace of God, who he's called you to be. And again, hearing who he says you are. And so we're going to get into more of that. So, so that's the beautiful thing. This, the Bible talks about the gift of prophecy being eagerly desired. We should eager to, eagerly desire it. And it is for the, the strengthening, encouraging, and comforting of God's people. So, so learning to live by the word of the Lord is what has the Lord said over us as a church, and what has the Lord said over you personally, and do they connect? Because if they don't, we're, it, it's going to be difficult for us, right, to, to walk together. The Bible says unless, unless we agree, how can we walk together, right? See how that works? So here's a couple of words over DCF. There's a ton of them. Well, one day, we're just going to get my wife up. And we call her the keeper of the word. She's very prophetic, obviously, and so we, she, she knows, she, she she can bring them to her mind so quickly because that's, that's her passion, that's her gifting, and that's her strength. So one of those is we build first to the Lord and, to ma- and then to man. It's a word over us as, as a church. So we're going, to, we're going to give God more attention and authority than we are going to be the opinions of people. Whatever the Lord says, we're going to build towards him first. We're going to say, Lord, what is it that you're doing? And then we're going to meet needs of people. We're not going to let the needs of people or the whims of people or people who have different perspectives or any of those things, we're not going to build to them first. We're going to build to the Lord first. So that's a picture of who we are. So if that's something that you're passionate about, then you're going to love DCF. It's going to be a part of who you are. Um, Secondly, you'll never have to manufacture your own fire. So that's a power perspective that says... We're never going to engage in the tomfoolery and, and, and you know, trying to, trying to get God to do something, trying to make it or trying to pretend like he's doing something when he's not doing something, right? We, we're never going to have to manufacture our own fire because God said, I'm going to be among you. I'm going to move in power. You're going to see healings. You're going to see signs. You're going to see wonders. You're going to see my power move, right? Because we've chosen to walk in that direction. This is who God is. If, you're, if that freaks you out, and you, and you can't come with an open mind and say, you know what, I, I like that. I want to see God move in power. I want to see his fire move. I want that. I don't want to play the games of church world where people are pretending to be something when they're not, right? And if that's you, you're going to love DCF. Another one is, is this. We'll be known by the quality of ministry, not just the quantity. So one of the things, that I've been here 13 years. The church has been here 40-something years as a whole. And, and there's been, you know, ups and downs and growth and, 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 and you know, and, and kind of, Distract or, or uh, detraction, but the passion for us is, Lord, we want to impact our city, our region, uh, nations. We want to see God move in power. That means we're going to grow and we're going to get bigger, and that means that this room at some point is not going to be big enough, but this room has been big enough for a very long time. But at some point, we had a prophetic word recently that we're going to knock out the sides of this building. What they didn't know is that the, the easiest way to grow this building is to put the platform on this side and, and put a big circle of people here and knock this back wall out and go as far that direction as we have here you know, on this side. So that's something, if, if that freaks you out, you're like, oh, you can't touch God's holy sanctuary. Then you don't understand who the holy sanctuary is, <laughs> right? It's not this building. And my point is, is that God has called us to have quality of ministry even before we grow as a ministry. So, so to build deep before we build wide. So we're going to challenge our leaders to walk in health and wholeness and walk in power, to really understand grace, to get those things so that they can minister effectively to the people that God sends and build disciples from those qualities of ministry, right? And as we build into the quality of, God, of ministry, not just the quantity, 
not just making it big. We're going to see things explode, and we love it. So, so if that appeals to you, in other words, over us as a church, part of what you're doing is going, hey, am, is God connecting me and my calling, who I am, and my family, and the direction and the sense I have of who he's made me to be, is that the same as DCF? Because what, what's going to happen when that happens is you're going to make that connection, and then we're going to be one. That's the way God calls it, uh, what he calls it to look like. Does that make, make sense to us? Because, again, if we don't get that, we just show up thinking that, you know, me showing up and being a consumer is, is me being a member of the church, and it's not. It's being in line with the direction that God's called that local church to go. So uh, I want to just talk, talk for a second about how to connect your calling. So we call it grace for your space. How does God work in you to, to in the calling he has on your life, and how does he drive that? How does he build you into what he's called you to do? So we've talked about this before. There are three basic types of gifts. We, we share this when we talk about grace gifts, um, and that's the one we're really going to focus on to, to, for the next couple of minutes because this is who God made you to be, right? So hopefully this will be a discovery uh, uh, time for you. So three sets of gifts, the Doma gifts. These are the Ascension gifts. You find these in Ephesians 4. Uh, the phanerosis or manifestation gifts, this if you come from a power camp, this is 1 Corinthians 12, you know, the, the gifts of the Spirit, what we call the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, charisma are grace gifts, and, and they're found primarily in Romans 12, 6 and 8. We're going to read that in just a second. But there's different sets of gifts for different purposes. And so I want you to understand that. So going back to those gifts, the Doma gifts, those five-fold ministry gifts, are for the equipping of God's people for the works of service. Not everybody gets those gifts. You, you sometimes you hear clergy and laity, and if we're not careful, it's clergy and laity, right? You know, it, we, don't, we don't necessarily do that on purpose, but the mindset is these guys went to Bible college, they studied the Bible, they're much better Christians than you are. <laughs> we know that's not true, right? But if we're not careful, we, we, we get that screwed up in thinking that because God has called someone to a role, that somehow they're better or worse than you. And that's not how it works. It's got nothing to do with a value proposition. It's just the role they're called to. So the second set of gifts are the manifestation gifts. And these are available to anyone who's open to what the Holy Spirit is doing in their life. Uh, we saw some of those gifts move this morning. Uh, everyone has access to these gifts, but they're distributed according to the will of the Holy Spirit. So in a setting like our worship time or a small group setting, we open our hearts up and say, Lord, come and move in your power. Lord, we want your presence in the room, right? Well, how does, what does that look like practically? And what happens often is we can feel the manifest presence of God in the room, the intimacy, the sense of heaviness in a good way. You, know, you can feel the presence of God. But one of the things you begin to see often when that happens is the gifts begin to operate. All these different gifts from 1 Corinthians 12 begin to operate. People come and they lay hands on one another. They have words of knowledge. They'll have words of wisdom. Sometimes the, the Bible says it's gifts of healing, so they'll lay hands on the sick and the sick will, be, uh, will recover. Um, sometimes it's miracles. Sometimes there's, there's a tongue and interpretation in our meetings, and it gives revelation to what the Lord's doing. So often it's prophetic where people prophesy and minister either up here from the front, this is what we sense the Lord saying, or to you personally. So it's a beautiful picture of what God does through those manifestation gifts. And the last one, though, are called charisma gifts. Um, these gifts are given to every single person by the Father. We are to faithfully, Ephesians, or sorry, First uh, Peter talks about this, we are to faithfully administer whatever gift God has placed inside of you. So every single one of you guys have received gifts. And so that's what we're going to go after. So here's just a definition of the grace gifts, the gift that everybody has, right? It's a divine gratuity, a spiritual endowment 
religious qualification, miraculous faculty, a free gift denoting extraordinary powers, enablement to serve the church of Christ. So God has gifted every single one of you with grace gifts, often way more than one, okay? So one aspect of this is, is it's like your strength or your ability. Someone will say, hey, you're really good at this. You, you know, when you, you are such a great encourager. Like, you don't even have to try. You can encourage people. And so one of the things to understand about these three sets of gifts, the, the charisma gifts, the grace gifts, are what we call illustrative. In other words, it's a set of gifts, but there are probably other gifts that the Bible isn't specific about that would fall into this category. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. The other sets of gifts are not like that. They're, they're exhaustive. In other words, the five-fold ministry gifts are five, not six, not 12, they're five. The, the manifestation gifts, there's nine of those listed in Scripture, and so we can walk in those gifts. And so those, those are exhaustive, but these aren't. So I'm just going to read you some Scripture uh, about grace gifts. This is Romans 12, 6, 8. We just talked about a minute ago. It says we have different gifts. All of us have different gifts. This is where the body comes together. According to the grace given us, if a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage if it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. So in that list, you've got prophesying, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leadership, mercy. And some of those, he says, let the teachers teach because that's probably obvious. But he says, if you're going to be generous, or, if, or sorry, if you're going to show mercy, show it cheerfully. Isn't that interesting that if you have the gift of mercy, that, that you can potentially be a Debbie Downer? <laughs> right? Because mercy is just, oh, right? It's just, oh, I feel so much, right? And if you're not careful, you can turn into Debbie Downer. So the Bible says, don't do that. Don't, that's a natural way of thinking about it. If you have the gift of mercy, that's the grace of God in you to show someone mercy in a powerful way. So do it cheerfully. Do it with a, a, an excited heart. It talks about prophecy. Do it according to your faith. In other words, you're, you can prophesy at this level or this level or this level. So here are some of these gifts, right? First Peter is an, another list, and some of these passages in Scripture mix some of the gifts together, and you're going to see that. And Peter and, and Paul and, and the other writers do this on purpose because the idea behind this is, is there's not one section over here doing this or this section doing this. It's all of us come together in one big, huge family, being who we are, doing what we do together, right? So First Peter 4 it says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Another, if you have the gift of hospitality, here's how you need to do it. Don't grumble when you're offering hospitality, right? It tells us how. Um, each one should use whatever gift, charisma he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. In other words, everything, everybody's not the same. It says, if anyone speaks... He should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. So in that passage, there's hospitality, speaking, and serving. And all these gifts, he said, you, you need to do these in the strength that God provides, right? And, and so what's challenging sometimes, we don't realize that our natural giftedness, what, what someone would say are strengths or, you know, or this is just who you are, they're not natural. They're supernatural. But they're so common, and they're in everybody, if we're not careful, we'll think of them as natural. And the picture that God's trying to paint is they are, they are in you, but they operate supernaturally through you. It's God's grace pouring through you into other people. Another version, uh, our passage is 1 Corinthians 12. 
And in the church, God is appointed. This is where he begins to mix the, the three sets of gifts. And in the church, God is appointed, first of all, apostles, prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles. So he went from the fivefold ministry gift, he names three of those, jumps into the manifestation gifts, workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, that's in 1 Corinthians 12 as well, those able to help others, the gift of helps is a, a charisma or a grace gift, those with the gifts of administration, right? So that's, another, that's, that's part of the grace gifts, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues back into the manifestation gifts. So what you see him doing is he's saying, here's how all of these gifts work together. And you guys, we saw that this morning. We saw elders overseeing five-fold ministry gifts, ministering in their capacity. I'm doing that right now. We saw people prophesying one another. We saw people leading in worship. Um, the fact that the, the service is going in a certain way and has structure to it was the gift of administration. The fact that it wasn't pandemonium and chaos this morning was the gift of administration working among us. And see, often the people who grew up in the manifestation gifts look at the gift of administration and say, you're just quenching the Holy Spirit. And people with the gift of, the whole, uh, gift of administration are saying, no, that gift is from the Father to help us walk helpfully, right, and soundly in, uh, in some of these other gifts as well. The gift of leadership. The gift, you know, people with leadership are often envisioning people. They're going, hey, I want to remind you because vision leaks. I want to remind you of the why we're doing this and the how we're going to get this done, right? So uh, helps in administration in that list. Matthew 19, 12. This was an in interesting one, especially if you're single. For some are eunuchs. This is, this is Jesus talking. For some are eunuchs because they were born that way. Others were made that way by men. That's not good. <laughs> and others have renounced marriage because of the kingdom of heaven. Now think about that for a second. They're single, and they have renounced marriage because of the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this should accept it. So one of the grace gifts is celibacy. Some of you guys are going, I don't, I don't think I like that gift. <laughs> right? So here's the thing. If you have that gift, and Jesus said it here, and Paul alludes to it as well. He said, the one who can accept this should accept it. If you have, are, have been called to the gift of singleness or celibacy, you know it. You're not wondering. If you have a passion and a heart to be married, you do not have the gift of singleness. Don't let, the, don't let the enemy lie to you. If you have a heart and a passion to be married, that is the normal way of things. The Bible said literally in the book of Genesis, it's not good for man to be alone. But Paul comes along, right, one of the great apostles of our day, and he chooses singleness. He chooses to be a eunuch for the kingdom of heaven, and he has the strength and the ability to walk in that in health and wholeness and maturity and, and joy. See how that works? But if you don't have that gift... Don't worry about it. It's okay. Get married. It's totally okay to do that. So, but we, we miss that, that that is a supernatural endowment from heaven that someone could walk in purity and walk in the power of God and walk in joy even though they're single. But it's because it's a gift that God has given. So it's helpful to understand that. Um, Exodus 31 is very interesting because this is an old covenant picture of new covenant giftings, right? Then the Lord said to Moses, I have filled him, talking about this one guy, with the Spirit of God. I filled him with the Spirit of God, supernaturally endowed him with skill, ability, and knowledge in all kinds of crafts. Did you know crafts was a spiritual gift, right? He goes on, he says, to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of 
of craftsmanship. And so this is a picture of, ex, of creative expression. Anybody ever heard the term creatives? Right? Creatives, creatives often don't have the gift of administration. This is something I've noticed. It's, it's really interesting when you see a creative with the gift of administration. They're powerful people, right? Because they're incredibly creative, but they're also structured. And, and sometimes they don't go together, which goes back to why we need one another. If you're a super creative and you're just, man, I don't like walls, don't close me in, I can't work in a cubicle, ah, right? That's totally fine. God may be putting that, but there might be a character issue of you not wanting to work with others to bring structure to your life. See how that works? And so administrative gifts and leadership gifts are powerful gifts because they help move your gift and your ministry into health and success and wholeness and vice versa. Sometimes people are super administrative. Things are so tight, they need creatives in their life to expand their horizons, and God does that and how he works in one, one, one another. So it's a beautiful picture of creative expression. So I said this, this was like illustrative, not exhaustive as a list of gifts, right? So what are some other gifts as an example that you'll see in this creative expression that the Bible doesn't name at all in the New Testament? Musicianship, songwriting, other kinds of writing, verse, poetry, stories, dance, art, photography, decoration, all kinds of creative expression. God will work that through you. Why? Because it's a supernatural expression of who he is in the world. I don't know if you've noticed this, but if, if you get a chance, go back and look at a, the broad picture of where art has come from since around you know, the, uh, the Middle Ages through now. The expression of art at one point was the expression of the beauty of God's creation. It was the expression of religious symbology with Jesus and, and, you know, and, and his disciples sitting at the table. Um, Mary, I mean, some of the greatest sculptures you've ever seen. One of them is a beautiful picture of Mary holding the body of Jesus. It, it just inspires, it motivates, it grabs your attention. And then when people's hearts begin to get darkened, their gift still works. Hear that? So what will happen is then their gift of creativity begins to go downhill, and it starts getting dark. And, and not that abstract is dark. That's not all I'm saying. But at some point, it stops showing the beauty of God's creation and who he is and all the good things that God has given us and begins to go down this dark, dark path. You see this with movies. You see it with books, and you see it with songs, which is one of the reasons why culture can be so powerful and grab hold of your life, which is another reason why we as the church need to walk in these expressions and, and the gifts that God has given us in powerful, supernatural ways, because he's called us to reach out into a culture that's broken and hurting and bring our strengths and our gifts are a way to do that. So just a couple of general concepts about, about the gifts. And again, remember, this is connecting you to your calling. How, you know, we're going to get into just a second, how do you know some of the gifts that you have? But here's just a couple of things about the gifts. One, I mentioned before, everybody has these gifts. Nobody is, is, is without one of these gifts, and usually most of them, or more than one, I should say. Romans 12, 6 says, we have different gifts. That's a, a command. According to the grace given to each of us. So God says, I'm going to take my grace and put it in you and work it through you, right? Secondly, each person is uniquely gifted. Karen's not like me. There may be overlap in some of our giftedness. And for her and I, like a, a good one is prophecy. Um, she is, she's powerfully gifted in prophecy. If you hang around her, it, you won't, it won't take you long to figure that out. So if you want to learn about prophecy, go hang out with Karen. That's what I do, all right? When we go on trips together and we do ministry, sometimes I'll be, we'll be waiting in the presence of God in a, in a setting, and, and Karen will get a prophetic word, 
and I get a free ride in the prophetic. Right? She'll go, I, I sense the Lord saying this, and she'll start talking, and all of a sudden, the prophetic fires off in me, and I'm like, I, I also have a word. Right? <laughs> and part of it is, you know, used to, I'm like, just, I want to I wanna run with Karen, right? But she runs way faster with me than me in that arena. But what I'm saying is, when she begins to move in that way, oftentimes that stirs up something inside of me, and I can work, I can work maybe not as powerfully as her, but I can work in concert with her because it's supernatural endowment. What's beautiful about this is every person is gifted uniquely. So we celebrate one another's gifting. We, we don't go, you know what, I'm not big on the administration, so eh. But whole sections of the church have looked at the gift of administration and says it's the one gift that, that uh, quenches the Holy Spirit. That's the way they think about it. So there's no structure, and it creates a problem and a challenge in local churches. There are so whole other swaths of the church who said, I don't believe in the nine gifts. I, we, don't, we don't believe they're here for today, so they walk in all the charisma gifts, all the grace gifts, which is wonderful. Those gifts are powerful in their service. But there's whole sets of God's grace that have been shut off like a valve that you, you can't let God move through these graces, right? And then same thing with some denominations. It's like we love the pastor, the teacher, and the evangelist, but we're not so sure about the prophet and the apostle. And so, they, again, they shut off those valves. So don't, don't do that. So they're not meant for comparison. In other words, it's not, it's not about you. The gift is not about you, even though the gift will work inside of you. So what do I mean by that? Spiritual gifts work best when they're focused on others, right? And they're motivated by love. Let me give you an example. We ask people to come up. You have a word during our worship time. If you have a prophetic word and you feel like this is for the, service, for the church, for people in the church, come and share. This morning, these guys were overseeing our service. Come and share that with them. What they're going to do is they're going to say, how does that fit in with what the Lord is saying, what we've already heard, how he's connecting with these other things that the Lord said. You see this in Scripture. And they're going to say, maybe ask you to share. Because we, we say, if there's value in you being the one to share it, then we'll invite you to share it. We'll challenge you administratively like, <laughs> to structure it, to, to maybe limit it. And then don't make it about you. Don't get up and say, you know, I, I heard the Lord this morning because I was praying at 4 o'clock, as I often do. And, you know, don't make it about you and how impressive and spiritual you are, right? Just share what the Lord has shared with you. And when you do that, what it does is it takes the gift, it takes the grace, and it takes the, the emphasis off of you, and it puts it on the other person who's receiving that grace into their life. It's powerful when we do it that way. So it's not meant for comparison, and it's best focused on others, and it's motivated by love for, for God's people. Um, lastly, we'll be evident in every sphere of our lives. Listen, this is Romans 12, 6. I read it earlier, but here's the New Living Translation, which is a is not a translation. It's a misnomer. It's a paraphrase, but it captures this really well. It says, God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. What do you do well? What are you good at? What has God called you to? Whatever that is, the Bible says you, you should administrate that. You should serve others with that gift in the local church, and in the world, in every sphere of influence that you have. So how do I recognize the gifts that are on my life, my grace gifts? I'm going to give you three questions. There's more. There's other ways, too, um, but I'm going to focus on these three. One is, ask this question, which way is grace flowing? Have you ever been in a, in a, meter, a meeting at work or any other place, and the person who is in charge does not have a leadership gift? <laughs> and you do. 
Because what will happen is you're, you're like, you're wanting to help. You're, wanting to, you're struggling with them. They're like so out. They can't make a decision. They can't. But they've been there longer than you, right? They have seniority, but they don't have the gift commensurate with the role that they're playing. And you're frustrated. It's driving you crazy because you're like, I, that's not, oh, this, ah. Oh. Grace, now you're having to show them grace. See how that works? Rather than their grace coming to you. So which way is the grace flowing in your life? If you say you're administrative, you have an, an, an administrative gift, is grace flowing administratively from you, <laughs> right? We say this about our worship team, and one of the things Rodney has to do is he has to, we have to help people be sober-minded. Because some, sometimes, this hadn't happened in a long, long time, but sometimes people come in and go, I'm gifted and called by the Lord to, to worship and lead others in worship. And we're like, man, that's awesome. And they have a beautiful spirit, and they love Jesus, and they come and they do a tryout. And they, first of all, they're like, why are we doing tryouts? It's like, well, you'll see. There's a reason why we do this, right? Are you sober-minded about your gift? So they'll come up, and, and they'll, they'll kill us softly with their song. They start singing. And you're like, ah, oh, you know, cats are fighting in the background. You're just like, what is, this is not good, right? And the whole congregation, if they were singing in worship team, would be going, ah. Oh. And this is a southern version of this. Bless their hearts. That's how you know grace is flowing the wrong direction, right? And so when you capture that, part of what Rodney has to do is Rodney has to help them be sober-minded if they're not. And go, I love your heart. Of your spirit, you're amazing in a million different ways, just not this one. And that's hard to hear if you've been told by well-meaning people that you have a gift you don't have. Because another way, I didn't get into this, but another way is people, people will celebrate your gift if you have one of those gifts. And you do. But they'll celebrate. It's how you know. So ask the question, you know, what, which way is grace flowing? Is it flowing in the right direction? Is it flow, it's, flow, flow, it's flowing into you, but then it's flowing out of you towards others, not the other way around. Second question is, what energizes you? When you do it, does it, does it, does it do something inside of you that makes you want to do that again, right? Uh, when I preach and I teach, uh, man, I can't wait to do it again. It's so, I mean, it can be really challenging and it drains you, but man, I can't wait to do it again, right? There's something about that that, that does, but one way we say it is it gives me shiny eyes. My eyes light up when I get a chance to do the thing that God has gifted me in. And we want to celebrate that with you. Um, we talk about which seat do you have on the bus. It's another way of kind of figuring out what energizes you. Um, we, we go, you know, what's your A seat? In other words, what's your best seat on the bus? The, the bus is being driven by the elders, right? It's not helpful if everybody comes up and tries to grab the steering wheel. That's the picture we painted last week about, about why you have spiritual leaders driving the bus. They're hearing from the Lord. They're using the giftedness of the people that have to hear from the Lord and go the direction he's called us to do. We write that on the front of the bus. The front of DCF's bus says, we transform lives by encountering grace in the Holy Spirit. If you don't like grace, don't stand at the back of the bus yelling, turn left, turn left. We're not turning left. If you don't like the ministry of the Holy Spirit, you grew up where speaking in tongues was of the devil, and you've decided that that's who you're going to be, please don't stand in the back of our bus and yell, turn left, turn left. We are not going to turn left, right? And, the, and when you understand that and you capture this, then it becomes easy. It becomes easy to put, become part of what God is doing in us as a local church. So if you're in your A seat, everything flows through you. It energizes you. If you're in your B seat, it's kind of neutral. There's parts of it that you, you love, and then there's parts of it that just drain you. If you end up in your C seat or your D seat or, God forbid, your F seat, <laughs> right, grace is flowing backwards. It's the wrong direction. And, and it's the kindness of other believers and spiritual leaders who will come and help you be sober-minded 
and, and, and not do the thing that you're not called to do, to get you pointed in the right direction. So the last question is, what frustrates you? Remember, I, I said earlier, a prophetic guy spoke over me. He said, you are, he just grabbed me and pushed me against the wall. I don't encourage this, but he was, he was a very prophetic guy. He put me up against the wall, and it was a power church, so it was okay. So he put me up against the wall, and he says, you are going to be the most frustrated person you've ever met. And he's looking me right in the eyes, and I'm like, I'm, I'm waiting. When, when's the good stuff come? It didn't come. But, but what I did not understand is when I began to realize that my frustration was there for a reason, because part of what I do is I build things. I'm a spiritual architect. It's one of the things that God's called me to in the apostolic, in the ministry, help build foundations well. So guess what happens to an architect when he walks into a building that's been built poorly? Just I, I, I go to a church. I cannot turn this off. I go to a church, and again, you have to learn to be sober-minded, and you also have to learn to be mature about it. If you start getting judgmental, you've used your frustration for the wrong thing. You hear me? So you have to be careful of that. So if you're strong in a gift, and the frustration is driving you crazy, and you're just sitting back there being the armchair quarterback, you need to get some maturity in your heart and say, how do I bring my strength to this body? Because obviously they don't have it, right? And maybe you can, maybe you can't. But if you come in your frustration, it, what it should do is it should drive you to understand there's a reason why you see it and they don't. You ever been in a situation where you're like, you know, why do they not get, you're sitting there going, how do they not see this? In the leadership meeting, if you have a leadership gift and the guy in charge does it and you're like, how do they not, oh, this is so frustrating, right? I was in the military, it happens all the time, right? You're so frustrated, like, how did you get promoted? Because he could pass a test. <laughs> right? Does he have the skill set? Does he have the gift? No. Well, what's that got to do with anything? And we find ourselves like that in the church, in the world, and, and God's saying, that's not how I want to do these things, right? So if you, if you find yourself frustrated, let me give you a perfect example. We're doing, we're doing slides up here, and we're doing worship, and, and sometimes this happens. You look up there, and you're going, uh, they spelled worship backwards, how, you know? And now you're like, I can't, I can't worship. I'm just done. I'm done for the rest of the service now. This, do they not? You're looking around like, who does not see the fact that that is spelled wrong? Anybody? Wave at me. If it, yeah, right? So, so here's the thing. Maybe you can help. Maybe that's your gift and you ought to help. Maybe that's part of the production team that you look at that and go, I have an eye for detail. I know people, I, when I see misspelled words, it drives me batty. Like if I, and what's really bad, I do my own slides. So if you see slides on a Sunday morning during my sermon and they're wrong, please don't tell me. I, I will be hurt for the rest of my life because I'm like, I did that, right? Because I, normally I see it. Here's my point. If you, if you understand your frustration, God is using, wants to use your frustration to move you into your calling. But so often we've been taught, one is there's no room for me in my gift. At DCF, it's what we do and how we do it. We, we love your gift. We celebrate your gift. We don't celebrate your, your, your uh, uh, immaturity. We're not going to do that. So we're going to help you grow in your gift. We're going to help you grow in your maturity. We're going to release you to those things. But if you want to take your gift and go a different direction on the bus, we love your gift, but your gift is being unhelpful right now because you decided that you don't want to be part of this calling. So our challenge to you is simply this. Go find the bus you ought to be on and, and be the strength that you're supposed to be in that bus. But mostly what we discover is God will lead us into a service, into a meeting, into a church, 
and he'll begin to do works in our life, and we begin to discover that our calling and our gifts and maybe even some of our frustration is designed to bring us into the life of that body so that we can expand and grow and have greater impact in this region, in the city, in this region. Remember what we said? The Lord says, I want quality of ministry, not just quantity. That is part of who we are. So we want to release your gift and your strength. So how do you connect to a grace team? We're talking about grace for your space. What does it look like to have space for your grace? Okay, and, and I'm, I'm going to share this, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to pray, and we're going to be done. So grace, we have a culture of grace teams at our church. Some people call it ministry teams, serving teams, and that's totally okay. But we call it grace teams on purpose because we want to teach you and remind you that you ought to serve in line with the gifting and the calling that is on your life personally. So one example is maybe I'm really good as leadership in, in a leadership gift. Maybe I have strong administration. Maybe I love that. And then maybe my, I have a passion for working with kids. Maybe I have the ability to connect with, you know, the little guys so easily and I enjoy it and it energizes me. And we're, and we're taking all these things and lining them up to say, maybe you have a leadership gift. Maybe you have a teaching gift that ought to work in kids' church because you have a passion for kids, right? But maybe you just have a leadership gift and you're like, I don't want to teach. That's not, what, that's not one of my gifts. Listen, we can use your leadership gift in kids' church even if you don't teach a class. What about the finance team? I don't have a finance degree. Nobody asked if you had a finance degree. Finance degree is fine, but that's the world's version of finance. What we're after is you, do you understand and love biblical finance? Do you long to see people come out of debt and walk in wholeness to be the head and not the tail? Is that a passion that's in your heart? And do you have gifts commensurate with, those, with that calling? If you do, we want to celebrate you and your gift. We want to honor you and your gift, and we want to release you to your gift. But remember this one caveat because we're in a family. Nobody has the gift of taking out the trash. But the trash still has to be taken out. Right? So, so we hold this intention, especially as a small church. We, if you're serving in your B seat or even in your C seat for a little while, we're okay with that. As a matter of fact, in the last year, we asked our entire leadership team to, to focus their strength and their gifts and their abilities into children's ministry. All of them. Everybody on our team has served. My wife, you see her in the, in the, in the kids' church T-shirt on Sunday morning sometimes with the shiny shoes. That's, that's not part of it. That's just part of her. But you see her serve. Why? Because she's willing, and she's modeling it, and she's serving because right now that's a huge need. Because if we're going to grow in families, we're going to see families come in. They have an expectation because we discovered almost 60% of people choose a church based on the children's ministry. That ought not be the way you do it. This whole series has been how you ought to do it. But this is how 60% of people will choose a church. So knowing that, we say, you know what? We're going to help people. When they come in, we're going to have a quality, quality kids ministry. Right? It's not going to be a token and throw people back there. It's like they don't even like kids, but, you know, as long as you're serving, who cares? And that's not what we're going to do, right? But understand this, and we've had this happen. I remember when we first got here, we had some high-capacity people in our congregation, still do, obviously, but, but this particular person, they, we were moving chairs. And I remember thinking this person, I was looking at this person going, I love that they are willing, they're not above moving chairs. High C-level position in their company, not above moving chairs. I love our eldership team. They're not above moving chairs. You'll see me moving chairs. Nobody has the gift of moving chairs, but it sometimes needs to be done. But if, I'm, if I have a brain in my head and I see a CEO 
giving his time to move chairs, and I'm thinking, if I have him for an hour per week, like physically he can give me an hour of his time per week, do I want him moving chairs or do I want him leading something? Because if he's a CEO, I promise he has a leadership gift, right? So which, one, which way do we want him to go? So we want to move people in that gift. But I'm just going to say this. Sometimes, no matter what your gift is, we just need to move chairs. We just need to do the things that need to be done. So we just challenge you. Start with, man, 80% of your ministry. Let it be according to the gifts and the callings of God on your life, right? It's, we we want to celebrate it and release it. And it's the most powerful when you are moving in your gifts and I'm moving my gifts and we find that place. God, that's the body working together in the way that the body should work. So here's a couple of things we do. Members doing their part by bringing their gifts and strengths to DCF so that lives are transformed by experience experiencing grace in the Holy Spirit. That's how that, that's members, that's members of the body in particular serving the vision God's given us as a local church. That's what it looked like. Here's some of the teams, greeting team. What kind of gift might you have as, as a greeter? Anybody? The gift of hugging. Loretta has the gift of hugging if you're wondering. <laughs> no, maybe connecting with new people. Maybe you can, maybe you just have one of those personalities, man, I love to meet new people. If you are super, you know, uh, what's the phrase? Uh, um, Big personality, outgoing, internally. What are you, Jeremy? Thank you. See, if you're super introverted, we're going to put you in a closet back there with walls. I'm just kidding, Jeremy. <laughs> the whole thing is Jer- Jeremy knows that. Like, he's one of our deacons, and he understands his gifts and his callings. That, and he knows that's, that's why I'm not on the greeter team. Not because he doesn't love people. He just serves them differently. If you knew the stuff that Jeremy did behind the scenes, it would blow your ever-loving mind, Right? He's powerfully gifted, but he knows he doesn't need to be on the greeter team. Worship team, we talked about that. Prayer ministry team, kids church, youth ministry, finance team, facility maintenance. Facility maintenance is such a need. That creative gift we talked about, someone who can work with their hands to fix some of the challenges in this facility. Why? Because if we don't have people from DCF doing it, we have to hire people who are experts, who have gifts, using them in the world, and we have to pay them a lot of money. And you don't want me repairing stuff. That's dangerous, <laughs> right? That's not my big gift. I can, but it's not my big gift. Um, live production, they do that back there. Um, admin team, and this is a big one, the not yet team. That's not a real team. That's the team that maybe God has gifted you with vision for, and maybe there's a frustration. You're looking around the churches like, why doesn't DCF do this? Do that? Because they don't want to? No, because we're, what we're doing is we're putting people into ministry in line with their gifts and their callings because we want to celebrate and honor and release and create quality ministry. And when we do that, something powerful begins to happen. So join a team. We do it once a year typically, but you can join a team anytime during the year. But once a year, we invite people to join the team. We make a big deal about it, talk about the teams. And then we say this, this is what we want you to do. You commit for a year to this team. It's why you should carefully consider your calling and your gifts and, and, and recognize what they are. If you don't know, ask a spiritual leader. Ask your spouse. Ask people that you trust. They'll help you discover these gifts, and we'll help you. But join a team. Commit for a year. Why? For one year. What, what does that do? That gives a commitment to the team to say, man, I am in for a year. You can count on me, right? Because there's nothing like showing up with people in the team and half of the people aren't there. The biggest win for most teams is the people show up. We can grow people who are there, but we can't, we can't help grow people who aren't there. So show up for what God's called you to. And then every year, you are automatically released from that team. 
Now, why do we do that? Because maybe that's your, your space and you found it and you love it. And if it is, you will sign up again and you'll probably do that for the rest of your life. And that will be the team that you love. And maybe one day you'll even lead that team. And we love that. But if it's not, it's a way we can say, it's okay if this is not your space. We're releasing you from it to discover your space in another place. Because you're graced for your space. So lastly, George Whitfield, he was a preacher in the 1700s. He preached a message called The Almost Christian. If you get a chance, go read it. It's amazing. So he made a fascinating comment. I'm going to put it on the screen about fruitfulness in a believer. And this is what he said. He said, the barren fig tree was cursed and dried up from the roots. Remember, Jesus did this. Not for bearing bad fruit, but from bearing no fruit. So what's, what's the enemy's plan for your life? To just make you a spectator. That's... I mean, all your apps, all of your entertainment on television, Netflix, everything out there is designed to distract you and to take you away from what God's called you to do. Are they good things? Of course. Some of them are amazing. I love video games. There's so many things I love to do. I I love those kind of things, right? But if you find yourself being drawn into that, you have been caught in the trap of the enemy to say, if he can't steer you wrong, He's just going to steer you into nothing. And you're just going to walk through life feeling comfortable. And his whole message, Whitfield's message about the almost Christian is that it's all about you. And it's never about others. And these gifts and these callings, God's saying, I want to bear fruit in your life. And this is the scripture that Jesus he gave us. And this is probably going to cinch it for most of us. John 15, 8. This is to my Father's glory, Jesus said, that you bear much fruit. God is glorified when you bear fruit through the gifts and the callings and the grace gifts that are on your life, through you growing up in maturity, from your recognizing the frustrations are there to to move you into the calling God has on your life, right? And then lastly, he says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. James said it. Jesus talked about it. He said, it's not about what you know. It's about what are you doing about what you know. It's not enough to know to do right. To know to do right, the Bible says, and not do it is sin. In other words, knowing is not enough. Understanding all the teaching I've been talking about doesn't make you a disciple. What makes you a disciple is you begin to do the thing your disciple, your teacher, your rabbi is challenging you to do. So as we close this morning, I want to challenge you. I want to dare you to believe God for the thing that somewhere inside of your heart says, God designed me for greatness. He designed me to make a difference, to matter in this world, that there's a purpose in my life, that it's not just kind of making my way through life bored or scared or frustrated or anger or broken in some kind of addiction, that God has called me to something powerful. He made me. He didn't make a mistake. He doesn't make junk. I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and so are you. And I dare you to discover your gift and then bring your gift to bear into a local church, ours, if this is the place for you or somewhere else if it's not, and bring your strength to bear. Because when we do that, we are the church and we are a juggernaut into this world to bring the power and the grace and the goodness of God into people's lives and see them transform into everything God has for them. And if you do that, Jesus paid such a heavy price to give you an inheritance, but it's up to you to receive it and walk in it. Amen? Stand with me. I love you guys. 
I, I love DCF. I love the calling God has on our life. And I just want to encourage you, whatever it takes to begin to move in that direction, whatever your next step is, would you take it? Would you talk to a spiritual leader? Would you begin to do some Bible study around this? Would you ask some questions of your spouse or good friends that you trust? Begin to discover your gift and then get with us as leaders and go, I want to move in this direction. How do I do that? And we will point you in the right direction. So Jesus, thank you for your kindness and your grace. Lord, thank you this morning in worship time that the gifts worked so beautifully together. Lord, so you could tell us about perspective and, and understanding the, that what you have called us to is ours because you've given it to us as a gift. And we just receive that, Lord. Receive these, receive these grace gifts. Lord, I, I pray that you would energize our minds and our hearts and it calls us, Lord, to be drawn into these great things that you've called us to. And for that, we say thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Our team is going to be up here, one of our grace teams, to minister to you if you need prayer. Otherwise, have a wonderful, wonderful week.